Well, hey, if you got your Bibles this morning, why don't you open them up to Exodus chapter 4. Exodus chapter 4. And we are in part 5 of our origin story. And, and uh, if you haven't joined us, what the origin story is all about is a lot of times we can look at people in the Bible and think, wow, they're so powerfully used of God. I could never be like them. And one of the people in the Bible who is used so mightily by God was a guy by the name of Moses, right? Moses, God used him to part the Red Sea. He, he struck water from a rock and water came out. Uh, he, uh, what else did he do? He got the Ten Commandments. If you've heard of those before, God gave him those. It said that he was in the presence of God so much that his face glowed, right? And, and he had to put a veil over his face because people were scared of him. This was Moses. And that's kind of the Moses that we focus on. And we think, I could never do that. I could never be used by God that mightily. But as we look at Moses' origin story, we realize that he was a normal guy just like you and I. He, he was a failure. He was a mess up. He had his flaws. But yet God still used him mightily. Looking back, we, we see even when he was born, he, he shouldn't have made it. He shouldn't have made it. There was a decree out that, that all of the Hebrew boys were to be thrown into the Nile River and killed upon birth. So that was what he was destined to do, but he needed to be rescued. So his mom kept him a secret and kept him in hiding for the first three months of his life. And, and then she just put him in God's hand and put him in a basket in the Nile River. And God lined things up so perfectly that not only was he rescued, but then he, he grew up in royalty. He grew up in the palace. Pharaoh's daughter rescued him. So it was just an incredible thing. Uh, trio of events of what God did. He lined all these things up. Uh, he grows up. He's 40 years old. He's got all this power, the title. He, he's got wisdom. He's got all these things, and he wants to deliver his people from slavery in Egypt, the Hebrew people, the Israelites. So he goes and tries to take things into his own hands, ends up murdering a guy. He goes on the run, and he spends the next 40 years in the desert thinking, my life's over. This is hopeless. I'm just going to be a shepherd till the day that I die. Until one day he's out there tending the sheep at 80 years old, and he sees something he's never seen before. It was a bush that was burning, but it didn't burn up. So he went to go investigate, and that's the first time he really had a real encounter with the presence of God. And God spoke to him out of that bush. He said, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, yeah, here I am. What do you need, God? And so it was amazing. God uh, told him, this is what I'm going to do. I haven't forgotten about you. I, I love you. I haven't forgotten about my people, the Israelites. And I'm going to send you to free my people from Egypt. And so you'd think Moses would be like, yeah, let's do this. But instead, he, he didn't. Instead, he asked some, some questions. He said, God, who am I? Who am I that you would send me? And God, who, who are you? Let me know. I need to know who you are. I need to know that you've got my back. And he says, I will be with you always. Don't worry. And he lays out the whole plan to Moses. He lays out the whole plan to Moses. And that's kind of where we are in the story. God gives him, you're going to do A, you're going to do B, you're going to do C. This is going to be great. D won't work out, but don't worry. Keep going to plan E and we'll, we'll go down the list. And this is how it's all going to work out. So you'd think, again, at this point, that Moses would be all in. He's got the plans. He's got God speaking to him. He's got the burning bush there. You'd think he'd be ready to go, but we find out today that instead Moses started making a bunch of excuses. Mm. Anybody ever make an excuse before? Right? Yeah, we're all guilty of that. Uh, we make some silly excuses. Uh, here's some real reasons that people have made excuses for for being late to work. Ready for this? These are real. Uh, it says this, my husband thinks it's funny to hide my car keys before he goes to work. Sounds like a little bit of a lie. Uh, my heat was shut off, so I had to stay home and keep my snake warm. Hate it when that happens. Uh, another one. I, I was attacked by a raccoon and had to stop at the hospital to make sure it wasn't rabid. If you need to use any of these tomorrow, by the way, if you're late for work. Uh, next one. My dad didn't wake me up, so I was late. No. It's his fault. Uh, how about this one? A groundhog bit my bike tire and made it flat. I like the detail. The more detail you give, the more believable it is. So you got to think of that while you're making excuses. Uh, I got locked in the trunk by my son. <laughs> what were you doing in the trunk? You know, I, I don't know. Ooh, I like this one. 
I feel like I'm in everyone's way if I show up on time. Just think about that for a moment. And I think this is my, my favorite one out of all of them. My left turn signal was out, so I had to make all right turns to get to work today. Man, that's a rough one. So if you need to use any of these, those are, those are some real excuses people have used uh, to be late for work. Right? We like to make excuses. And while these excuses seem a little bit outrageous, they're probably on par. They're maybe a little bit similar to some of the excuses we've made when God asks us to do things. Right? We, we've made some silly excuses to God. And, and today we're going to look at how we can avoid making excuses. How we can say yes to God rather than, ah, well, maybe... Uh, I'm busy, I can't, I shouldn't, and, and we make all these excuses. You see, uh, Moses, again, in Exodus chapter 3, God gives him this perfect plan. He tells him all the details, and here's Moses' response in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. It says this, Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Excuse number 1. Verse 2 says, uh, Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground, and it became a snake, and he ran from it. Verse 4 says, then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Verse 8, then the Lord said, if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. So here we go. Here's his first excuse. God lays out all the plans. Here's what you're going to do. It's going to be great. I'm going to be with you. I've got this all covered. And so Moses then returns and says, but what if they don't believe me? What if the Israelites don't believe me that I spoke with God? Now, I want to take you back just a couple verses earlier in chapter 3, verse 18, while God's laying out the plan. Uh, God clearly says this, the elders of Israel will listen to you. He already tell, told Moses, the elders of Israel, they are going to listen to you 100%. So when Moses asks this question, what if they don't believe me? When he makes this excuse, he's essentially saying, God, what if you're wrong? God, what if you're wrong? I know you already told me that they're going to listen to me, but what if they don't? What if they don't? And he makes this excuse. See, Moses has his doubts. And even in the midst of this burning bush, even in the midst of, of God speaking to him, he has his doubts that his plan's really going to come through. What about you? Do you have your doubts? Do you trust God? Do you trust that what God tells you is going to happen? Do you trust that what he says in his word is going to happen? Or do we ask questions, you know, like this? You know, God, I know God, I know your word told me that, I, that I'm supposed to tithe, that I'm supposed to give 10% back to you, right? I know your word said that, but God, what if, what if I don't have enough money to pay my bills? God, what if you're wrong? God, what if you're wrong? Because that's essentially the question we're asking, is God, what if you're wrong? Or, or maybe you've asked this question before. God, I, I know you told me that I'm supposed to go into all the world and share the good news, Right? I know that I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus, but God, what if, what if people don't accept me? What if I lose some friends because I told them about Jesus? God, what if, God, what if you're wrong? How about this one? God, I know that your word tells me I'm supposed to take time daily in prayer. It says to pray constant, pray without cease. God, I know that you told me to do that, but God, what if I take that time to pray and I don't get all the stuff done for work that I need to get done? God, what if you're wrong? Right? Have we ever made excuses to God like that? God, I'm too busy. God, God I can't. Uh, God, that might hurt too much. Uh, God, I might lose my friend over that. God, I, I don't have enough. And, and so we make these excuses, but essentially at the bottom of it all, we're saying, God, what if you're wrong? 
God, what if you're wrong? And so we doubt God. We doubt God. You know, in just a few weeks here, I'm going to give a little plug. Uh, our next series that we're going to do is called Q&A. Q&A. Real, real questions, biblical answers. That's what we're looking for. Uh, real questions, biblical answers. So today, you might have questions. You might have come here today, like Moses, and you've got questions. I don't understand this about the Bible. I don't understand this about God. And uh, so this is going to be our series right after Easter. If you've got some real questions, some ones that you've been rattling around, rolling around, I encourage you, submit some questions. We're going to do a whole series just answering as many questions as we can, uh, looking to God's Word for answers. So you can definitely, you know, scan that, uh, fill it out online, or you can use your Next Steps card today and write down a question that, you've got to have, that you have and put it uh, in the offering plate before you leave. So we'll, we'll give you more opportunities uh, to do that. But these were questions that, that Moses had for God. God, what if you're wrong. What if what you said doesn't happen just the way that it would turn out? And so he says those things. So he's making these excuses. So let's, let's look back at Moses for a second. If you could be there, right? If you were just kind of a third party and, and you're watching, you got the burning bush over there, you got Moses right here. If you could be in that moment and you could call Moses aside, what advice would you give him in this moment? Right? So he's over there. Like, hey, Moses, time out. God, time out, right? Moses, come here, come here. Let me coach you up, all right? I know you're making excuses over here, Moses. I, I know that, that uh, you're not sure. Uh, you don't believe in yourself. You may not sure what this whole God thing is. But here's, here's the advice I think I would give him. Moses, remember who you're talking to, right? Think about for a second, who are, your talk, who are you talking to, right? You are talking to God, capital G, right? Big God, God Almighty, God All-Wise, God All-Knowing, God All-Powerful. You're talking to God. And you're asking him if he's wrong? All right, back in. Go in there, Moses, you know, and let's change this up a little bit. I wish I could tell him that. But at the same time, could we take our own advice? Right? How many times do we make excuses to God? God, I can't. I'm too busy. God, I don't have enough. God, I, you know, and all these different things. How many times do we just need to stop and say, all right, remember who you're talking to. You're talking to God. The God who created you. The, the God who loves you. The, the God who came and, and died on the cross and rose again. We're talking to God Almighty. God who has all authority, all power. Who are we making excuses to? So let's take a look at God's response to, to Moses' excuse. In response to Moses' question, what if, what if they don't believe me? To his doubt, God, what if you're wrong? God gives Moses three supernatural signs. And these are not just one-time deals. These are things that Moses can do over and over and over again. Right, we're talking origin story here. God gave Moses superpowers. Think about that. Like how many would love if God just gave you superpowers and you could throw a staff down and it turns into a snake that'd be pretty cool right but but god literally gave him supernatural powers to do things that are not natural so let's look at these three the first one the first one uh god said hey moses what's in your hand he says it's a staff right i use this all the time uh, it's a rod i use it to to help with the sheep he says throw it down so he throws it down and it turns into a snake now, I don't know about you, but I would have the exact same reaction that Moses did, right? He ran away from it. He, he was scared. That would be really funny to watch. You know, you're throwing it down, and then all of a sudden, ah, you know, it turns into a snake, he runs away. But then God says, hey, I want you to go pick it up. And so he picks it up by the tail, which I don't think is the proper way to pick up a snake, by the way. I think you got to work on the head. Uh, but so he picks up the snake, and it turns back into his, his staff. I mean, how? It's mind-blowing. I've never seen anything like that. That would be incredible. But what's really neat is, is when God asked him, hey, Moses, what's in your hand? It's a staff, right? And, and what's cool is in this moment, uh, it kind of shows us a principle of how God uses people. See, God used what Moses had in his hand to do the, the supernatural. He used normal, natural, ordinary stuff to do extraordinary things. So if God were to ask you today, what's, what's in your hand? What would you respond? What's in your hand? What, what resources do you have that maybe you never thought could do supernatural things? What, what's in your hand? 
See, for Moses, this staff, this ordinary staff that he used to tend sheep with for so long, this would be the staff that he would raise and the Red Sea would part. This would be the, the staff that he would hold above his head and the Israelites would gain the victory. Right? This would be the staff that he would strike a rock and water would come out of it. This would be the staff that its nickname would be the Rod of God. Think about that. So what's in your hand? What's in your hand today that you might think is just ordinary, but God could do, use to do extraordinary things? Maybe it's the job that you have. You think, man, this job is boring. Come here, same people every day. You know, it's just monotonous. But maybe God has put you in that place so that you can reach the people at your job and, and you could use it to do extraordinary things. Maybe in your hand is a fishing pole or a tennis racket or a sewing needle or a lawnmower. I, I don't know what it might be, but God can use ordinary things to do extraordinary things, right? So maybe you, you go out fishing all the time and you enjoy doing it, but you've been by yourself the whole time. Maybe the next time you just invite somebody with or you, you talk to somebody, hey, have you ever been out ice fishing before? You know, we still got some time. <laughs> and you bring them along with you. Or this summer, you take them out with you. And, and you get to use something ordinary, a fishing pole, but to do extraordinary things, to share Jesus with people. The same thing with, with any of those. Maybe it's a, a sewing needle. I, I heard a story once of there was a group of ladies who for as many, I think about 25 years, they just got together once a week and they sewed together. Just to just to have fun together, just to talk. And uh, one day somebody comes by and they're like, hey, what do you do with all the stuff that you make? And uh, they opened up a closet door and it was 25 years of stuff they had sewn. They just threw it in a closet. They had no use for it. And so they decided, you know, what if, what if we use that to do something great? And, and so they started uh, a, an auction at their church and these were all the items they were auctioning off and they raised more money for missions that year than they ever have before. And, and now... Every week, these ladies are getting together because they're like, we got to prepare for this year's auction and, and keep coming together. So I, I love, God can use ordinary things to do uh, extraordinary purposes. So what's in your hand? You know, for David, it was a sling. For the little lad, it was a lunch. But God used it to feed 5,000 people. God used David's sling to, to kill a giant. See, it's God's way of reminding us that uh, his power by showing us that he can use what we have and that his glory can be revealed through ordinary things. So I, I love seeing what God is, is doing through Moses and, and his staff. So he throws it on the ground and turns into a snake. And I, I think there's some symbolic meaning in this. You know, we've got the snake on the ground, and, and we see a couple of different things where this, this snake or the serpent icon pops up. Uh, first off, for, for Pharaoh. One of the earliest gods of the Egyptians was a, a serpent goddess. And they thought that this serpent goddess represented royalty and divinity. And it symbolized the Pharaoh's role as, as the lawmaker and the maintainer of order, protecting the Egyptian people from the forces of chaos. So if you ever look at Pharaohs or you study ancient Egypt, you'll see a little snake like popping out of their crown, out of their headgear. And they thought that that was the symbol that, that gave them authority and uh, divinity uh, right there. That's what made them in their role, role as royalty was the snake. And another place that we see the snake pop up was obviously in the Garden of Eden. We, we see the snake coming in, the devil uh, coming to tempt Adam and Eve. And, and so he's represented by a serpent. And so I, I think when, when God turned that, that staff into a snake, but then turned it back into a staff, he was telling Moses, I'm greater than any serpent. I mean, to me, that serpent is no big deal. I just turned it into a stick. So I, I am greater than Pharaoh. I am greater than your greatest enemy. I'm greater than Satan. And that's one of the messages he was sending to Moses in this time. You're, you're worried, you're making excuses, but reminder, I'm God. And I'm greater than any Pharaoh. I'm greater than any snake. I'm greater than any Satan that's out there. So God's showing I'm more powerful. The second sign that he gives him is uh, he sticks his hand into his cloak and pulls it out and his hand is leprous, Right? you imagine that? Like the first one, Moses was scared about the, the snake thing. You know, he's a little worried. But if the snake runs off and he doesn't get his staff back, great. I'll find another stick, okay? But when he pulls out his hand and it turns leprous, he's probably thinking, oh boy, 
I can find another stick, but I can't find another hand, right? So I really hope that God heals me on this one. And just to think, I mean, when, when you had leprosy back in that day, it was, you were an outcast. You had to stay outside of your society. You were not accepted because you weren't clean. And so Moses puts his hand back in his cloak and he pulls it out and, and he's made new again. He's made new. And so I believe that God was showing Moses his power to heal. God was showing his, Moses his power to purify to, to forgive, to make clean. And, and so that's the second sign there. The third sign that he gives Moses was water into blood. He said, I want you to take water from the Nile and to pour it out, and it's going to turn into blood. See, the Nile was the life of the Egyptians. The only reason that Egypt was there was because of the Nile. It was their entire life, their entire livelihood depended on the Nile River, provided fertile soil, provided a means of transportation so Egyptian cities could keep popping up along the way so they could get all of their building supplies down the river. There is no Egypt without the, without the Nile. The Nile was their identity. And it's like God is again saying that I'm greater. I am greater. Like they look to the the Nile for life, I am the source of life, right? I am greater than, than what they have. And it's also saying, I give and I take away. I'm the God of judgment. So you don't believe the first two, watch out, because judgment is coming. You think your life is dependent on that Nile. I'll show you that I'm greater than, than that. So God responds to Moses' first question, what if they don't believe me? By empowering him. By empowering him. He responds to his doubts by reminding him of, by reminding him of who he is talking about. So I think the thing we can learn here is that God is greater. God is greater. That's what he's trying to teach Moses. Moses, I am greater. He reminds us that, that God is greater. And, and sometimes I, we need to be reminded of that. Church, you face a lot of enemies out there. You're facing a lot of things like sickness or maybe cancer or or. or Maybe these financial things that you just can't get out of debt or broken relationships. And you need to be reminded today that God is greater. God is greater than anything in this world. God is greater than any problem, than any enemy that you face. He can turn that serpent into a, into a staff, right? He can heal the leprous hand. God is greater. And if you still don't believe me, he says, I'm the God of judgment. You want to be on my good side right? You want to come to me in humility. He gives and he takes away. So you'd think, surely, surely these signs would convince Moses to stop complaining, right? You would think that. You'd hope. I mean, if God gave me superpowers, I'd keep my mouth shut. I'd just take them and say, all right, let's do this, God. Verse 10, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant. Oh, Moses, no. Don't do it, Moses. Don't do it, Moses. Pardon your servant. Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will worship or I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So here comes excuse number two. I'm not a good speaker. God, I'm not eloquent. I, I can't do this. All right, come on, Moses. God just gave you superpowers. Now you're complaining, right? What's wrong with you? What are you doing? Why don't you get it? I can't do it. I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. That's what he said. Literally translated, it says, I am heavy of mouth. Anybody ever feel heavy of mouth before, right? You can use that as an excuse. I can't do the presentation. I am heavy of mouth. And he says, I've always been. I've always been. I've always couldn't talk very good, right? And he says, wait, hold on a second. Didn't we learn just a couple weeks ago that it says that Moses was strong in speech, right? So clearly he's just making an excuse. And now he's lying on top of it. Yeah, I've never been very good at this, God. You better go send somebody else. See, this can be translated a couple different ways. It could be, I've got a speech impediment, perhaps, or maybe it's, I've been away from Egypt for a long time, and I can't remember the language very well. And so it's going to be a hard time, and I'm just kind of heavy of mouth. I, I can't quite get the words out. And he's given another excuse. It's just another excuse. And what's interesting, the first excuse, he says, 
God, I don't believe you, right? It's doubting God. But the second excuse is saying, God, I, I don't believe in me. I can't do this. I, I can't speak. So he's, he's doubting himself. So the first excuse is doubting God, but the second excuse is doubting himself. Anybody deal with self-doubt in here? Right? We, we do constantly. We're constantly worried. What are other people going to think about me? But what if, I, what if I mess up? What if I fail? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have enough talents? God, how can I do this? And so we think, I don't know what to say. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough influence. And we like to, we're really good at throwing ourselves pity parties, aren't we? We're really good at that. So what's God's response? Love his response here. He says, who gave human beings their mouths? Who gave you that mouth, son? Right? It was me. I gave you that mouth. And, and, and what's interesting is, in other words, Moses, you think I made a mistake. Do you think I made a mistake? You don't think I realize the situation that you're in? You don't think I realize your limitations? How did Moses think this conversation was going to play out with God? Oh, sorry. Sorry, Moses. I forgot about that. I forgot about the speech. You're right, Moses. I'll go find somebody else. Right, what did he expect God for him to say? Who made your mouth? Who gives you sight? Who takes away sight? Who gives you hearing? It's God. It's God. He says, I am more than capable of using you. I can heal you or I can use you just the way you are. I am sovereign and your limitations don't limit me. That's something I think we need to understand is God is not limited by your limitations. God's not limited by your limitations just because you think you can't. If God calls you to do something, he's going to equip you to do it. He's not limited by your limitations. And when we tell God, God, you can't use me because... Well, now you're trying to put limits on God. He doesn't have limits. No, God can use you in spite of your limitations. God can use your limitations to do greater things than you could if you didn't have those limitations because he's God, right? And he does as he pleases. See, there's a fine line between self-doubt and humility. A lot of times we like to disguise and mask self-doubt as humility. I'm just so humble. God, you can't use me because, you know, I just can't do this and can't do this. And we think, oh, I'm just, I'm just a very humble person. No, when Moses asked God, who am I? God, who am I that you would ask me this great task? I don't feel worthy. That's humility. That's humility. But when Moses says, oh, God, I, I can't. God, you, you can't use me because I've got a speech problem. That's self-doubt. That's doubting God. See, self-doubt is you trying to justify your fear of being used by God. Think about that. Self-doubt is, is you trying to justify your fear of being used by God. You're trying to find a way out. God, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, maybe we're just scared. What would happen if we actually trusted God and, and believed that God could use us in spite of our limitations? See, again, God isn't going to call you to do something that he's not going to equip you for. He, he doesn't call you just so that, to watch you fail. He's a good father. He's going to help you. He's going to equip you along the way. So instead of saying, God, you can, let's tell him, God, you can. I'm available. Use me. Use me. If you, you need to uh, take away some of my limitations, I'll take it, right? God, use me. So God responded uh, to Moses by giving him supernatural abilities. Now he's reminding him of how sovereign he is. You'd think, surely now Moses would be done complaining. You'd really hope so. Well, let's keep reading. Verse 13. But Moses said, pardon your servant. Okay, Moses, just remove that from your vocabulary, all right? Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Wow, look at that faith. Please send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He is already on his way to meet you, and he will be glad to see you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if you were, or as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. Uh, worship, would you, worship team, would you come? So excuse number three. Excuse number three is send someone else. That's his, his last and final plea. God, send someone else. Wow. Just, just wow. Really, Moses, after 
everything that God is doing for you right now in this moment, and you just say, I give up, right? He's out of excuses. So now, rather than making excuses, he gets to the truth. And the truth is, Moses was a quitter. Moses was a doubter. Moses just wanted to give up. He'd rather live out the rest of his lousy days tending sheep than following God's plan for his life. Sad, really. And you got God's response here. Now, if I'm God, I'm ready to drop kick Moses. Like, what else can I do to you, Moses? But thankfully, I'm not God. God is much more patient. He's much more loving. He's got a lot more mercy. And while God didn't give up on Moses, it said that his anger burned against Moses. His anger burned against him. That burning bush heated up a few degrees. What's interesting here, and it, and it gives me hope, when Moses said, God, I doubt you, I don't believe you, are you sure you're right? Never said that God's anger burned against him. When Moses said, God, I, I can't, I started making excuses, I, I don't believe in myself, I, I can't speak very well. It didn't say that God's anger burned against him. But his anger burned when Moses said, I give up. I don't want to be used by you, God. Send someone else. And what that tells me is this. God's not intimidated of your doubts. He's not angry that you have questions. He's not angry that you don't have it all figured out. He can work with that. But what he won't do is, is take somebody who's unwilling and push them to do something they're not willing to do. That makes him angry. And I don't want to be on God's angry side. It says in the Bible that there's a few things that he hates or that he detests. Some of those are wickedness, disobedience, dishonesty, injustice, pride, conflict, arrogance, sin, violence. And right on par of that was Moses' unwillingness. His anger burned against him because he was unwilling. Because he told God, no. Have you been telling God no lately? May our answer to God always be yes. May our answer to God always be yes. Now, thankfully, God was still patient with Moses. And he gave him another route. He said, hey, I'm going to send your brother Aaron. He's on his way already. And you're going to have the words, but he's going to speak for you. See, you can put all those excuses aside, Moses. And so God was patient with him. But let's, let's recap this burning bush thing for a second. Let's recap what, what happened here. I want you to think about this. Because when I read this story, I get really frustrated. I, I really, when I look at that, I, I look at it and I see, all right, God revealed himself to Moses in a burning bush. I mean, undeniable. That is God. Like he sent him a sign, right? God reveals himself to Moses. He speaks to him audibly. He, he tells him, this is my name. I am who I am. I'm the God of your father, Abraham, God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Undeniable. It was clear he was speaking to Moses. And then he goes and he gives Moses the exact plans. He lays it all out for him. You're going to do this. You're going to go to your people. You're going to tell them this. You're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him this. He's going to refuse. But guess what? I'm going to come in and I'm going to work signs and wonders. And you're going to leave Egypt with all the people and with all the treasure of Egypt. I'm going to give you the plan. And to that, Moses makes the excuse. What if they don't believe me? And so God empowers him. Man, he gives him superpowers. He, he lets him operate in the supernatural and it still wasn't enough. He made another excuse. I, I don't speak very well. And so God says, I'm going to give you the words to say. I'm going to give you the words to say. And he says, I give up. Can't do this. And he quits. And so I'm reading this. I'm just getting frustrated. Moses, don't you know what you have? Man, everybody in this room wish they could, they could be where Moses was. Don't you wish you had a burning bush? Don't, don't you wish that God would just speak to you? Don't you wish that God would lay out all the plans? Don't you? And, you, and you'd maybe think, man, if I had what Moses had, I would have said yes. But then I stop and think about it for a little bit. 
And I realized you know, Moses had a burning bush. But Jesus, when he came, he said, you want a sign? I'll give you a sign. It's going to be the sign of Jonah. And Jonah was in a fish for three days and got spit back out. And he was referring to, I'm going to be in the tomb for three days, but I'm going to rise again. We've got a greater sign than a burning bush. We've got a resurrected Savior, right? And then, you know, God revealed himself to Moses. He spoke to him. But think what we have. Jesus, the Son of God, came and put flesh on. He was born as a baby. And he walked this planet. And he revealed himself. And he spoke the, the words of God. And he showed himself. He revealed himself greater to us than he did to Moses. And God gave Moses a plan. God gave us his word. Moses didn't have this. He had to write the first five books of it, but he didn't have the rest of the story. Moses only saw a little part, but think of how much more God has revealed himself to us because of his word. If only we just read it. God gave Moses superpowers, right? The supernatural. But you know what God gave us? He gave us his Holy Spirit to empower us supernaturally to do things that are beyond our ability. We see some of the gifts of the Spirit are, are miracles, faith, gifts of healing, right? All of these different things that God empowers us to do. He says, go heal the sick, cast out demons. Moses would probably be looking at us like, man, you guys got way better superpowers than I did. Right, God, God gives us the Holy Spirit so we can operate in the supernatural. God gave Moses the words to say, well, Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12 says this, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. God gave us the words. Right? He's given us everything. And so as we're sitting here today, man, if only I could be Moses. If only God would appear to me that. Moses is jealous of us, of how much God's appeared to us. We just got to walk in it. We just got to be willing to say yes. God, I will go wherever you call me. See, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us, to live a perfect life, to take our punishment, to die on the cross, and after three days to be raised from the dead so that when we believe in him and we ask him for forgiveness, he forgives us and makes us new. And he sends the Holy Spirit so that we can be empowered, so we can have the words to say, so we can do signs and wonders as we're walking in God's will. See, we have everything that we need. We have no excuses. We have no excuses to make. It's time to go. It's time to say yes. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, His divine power has given us everything we need. We have everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory goodness. Church, it is not the time to give up. It is time to go forward. It is time to say yes to God. And so today, I guess where we want to end this thing is this, is, is are you willing to give God your yes? Are you willing to understand that God is greater than any excuse that you have? Are you willing to give him your yes? Just a couple months ago, we had uh, the missionaries, the Molins here, uh, with us, and they told the story of how uh, every year they knew they were called in the missions, they just didn't know where and they didn't know when. And every year they'd go to this mission service and, and they'd make it a point we're going to go down to the altar and we're just going to give God our yes. You know, if, if, if He tells us where to go, the answer is yes. So every year they'd come down and they would hear nothing, even though they said, God, yes, God, yes. And a couple of years ago they went to the same mission service. And the speaker gets up and he shares about, uh, you know, this difficult place to go and minister to people. And they were sitting back there, and for the first time ever, they were thinking, no, not a chance. That sounds terrible. We don't want to go there. And so they held back. Well, after a little while, they started feeling guilty, and they said, you know what? We still need to give God our yes. And they came down, and they said, God, we give you our yes. And it, wouldn't you know it, that's when they were called. But they wouldn't have been called had they just stayed back and, and said no. 
Now, to give God your yes, it doesn't mean that you're going to be called across this world. But maybe it means you're going to be called across the street. Maybe it means he's going to call you to, to give up something that you've been holding on to. I don't know what God's going to speak to you today. But I believe that as we get up, as we say, God, I'm giving you my yes, that he's going to start speaking, that he's going to start using you in ways that you never thought possible. Instead of making those excuses, God, I can't. God, I'm not good enough. God, what if you don't come through? God, what if, and, and we make all these excuses. What if we just simply say, God, I, I'll never understand how great you are. I know I've got limitations, but Lord, you have my yes. I want to be used by you. That's a powerful prayer. And I encourage you to make it this morning. So today, we're, I'm just going to call you. If you'd like to, to come forward here in just a moment, then come find a place at this altar just as a physical way of telling God, you have my yes. You have my yes. Whatever it is, I'm going to say yes. Maybe today, you've never said yes to God, period. You've, you've been saying yes to yourself your whole life. And today is the day you want to say yes to God. And you want to say, God, I, I believe in you. I want to make you the Lord of my life. You can do that today too. We're going to have some, some people just right over here. And if you'd like to do that, we want to pray with you. We want to we help you through that, give you some resources, and just celebrate with you what God is doing in your life. So would you stand with me? I'm going to pray. And then I encourage you, come find a place at this altar. If you just need to tell God, you have my yes. Lord Jesus, we thank you. Thank you that you're moving in this place. Thank you that you're speaking to us. And God, while we don't have the exact situation that Moses did, God, you've revealed yourself to us. You've given us the plan. You've given us the words to say. We just need to say yes. So today, we declare it today. God, you have our yes. So may you speak to your people. May you guide us. May you use us. May you set people free today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I encourage you, come find a place at this altar. Give God your yes. And when God's done with you, you can, you can head out today. But let's go after Jesus.
Cheers. 